Welcome to Intentional Box Season 2, Episode 4. I'm Lou Landers. Find me on Twitter at Landers Talks and all my baseball content at my website, drroto.com. Joined here as always by my co-host, the madman, Mark Mancini. Mark, let everyone know where they can find all your work. You're all over the place, man. You're all over the country. Yeah, XM Series 203-217. Doing WWDB in Philadelphia's AM uh, 860 Talk, Pittsburgh Pirate Podcast, London, Detroit, Miami, Tampa, Milwaukee. But, man, I'll tell you, this show is sweeping the country, man. You and I, man, we're joined at the hip. Yeah, we certainly are. We've been working together for quite some time. Met over there at Sports Byline USA and uh, carrying it over, man, into intentional balk. And we got a lot to discuss here today, man, the Guardians are on a roll. The Dodgers lose Mookie Betts. They're having some bullpen issues. The Padres stink it up in Coors. Something doesn't go the Yankees' way for the first time, basically, all season long. Um, let's start, though, with fans wanting a King's Ransom to return milestone baseballs. What do you got there? Well, I saw that in Houston uh, last night. Uh, this man caught the rookie, G.J. Matevich, uh home run ball, and... He wanted a, a, a lot for it, but uh, at first they gave him six tickets to a game. I don't know if it was six different tickets, six uh, tickets to batting practice. I, I thought everybody gets in free for batting practice. Maybe you get up close and get on the field for that. And then he got a Jose Altuve signed ball. He wanted a Justin Verlander signed jersey. They didn't want to part with it. Finally, Justin Verlander said, just give the guy what he wants. So he signed a jersey, nice catch, and you know, put his name on it, but man, oh man, some of these guys want a lot for it. I was talking with Tarek today, you know, with Jack Sawinski hitting three home runs. First time in history, that third home run was a walk-off. Imagine catching that, what somebody would want. I'm from the old school, give it back, maybe a side ball from your player or something, maybe a jersey or whatever, but man, to stand here and put four, five, six things down, you know, if, if, if you take somebody out to breakfast, you don't stand here and tell them, hey, uh, what, what time's lunch and dinner? <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that's very, quite greedy. I mean, it all depends, right? Like, if you're catching a, a, a someone's 500th home run ball, that could go for a lot of money at some point. So I could see wanting a lot back. But a guy's first home run, like this one was, or whatever it might be, something smaller that's very meaningful to that person, but not necessarily in the grand scheme of things as a collector— um, yeah, just, just give it back, get a signed ball, whatever, maybe some tickets to another game. And at, at the same time, I will say, it's not really a big deal for Altuve to sign a baseball or Verlander to sign a, a jersey. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's basically free for those guys to do that. Um, so I totally get um, why the Astros were just like, okay, let's just get this done and get the ball back for the kid. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not talking about a, a 3,000th hit like Jeter's home run ball like that, or remember the Tom Brady thing with yeah. the touchdowns in the NFL. We're not talking about some crazy milestone for a future Hall of Famer here um, where, you know, you might be able to keep that ball and get a lot for it later on in life. We're talking about a guy's first home run. Not to say he's not going to have a nice career maybe, uh, but he doesn't, you know, project to be a future Hall of Famer or anything. We're not talking right. about, uh, you know, a future Hall of Famer's first home run ball that in 30 years might go for 
50 grand or 100 grand or something either. So, uh, I mean, I think it all kind of depends on what milestone it is. But just get the ball back and don't be so damn greedy. Just, you know, get a signed ball from Altuve. Get a team signed ball or something, whatever it might be. And just, you know, give the ball back, pack your bags and move along. Amen to that, man. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, we actually see eye to eye on something, which isn't that often, <laughs> right? Um, but let's uh, let's move on here. Guardians, sixth straight series win. They're eight and two in their past ten. They're just a game behind the Twins now. We talked either last week or two weeks ago, or maybe both, how they're playing pretty good baseball. They're ahead of the White Sox. Neither of us really expect the Twins to maintain what they've done all season long. Guardians could be competitive in this division, though, and not just because of how they're playing lately. We know they can pitch, and if they get any sort of even above-average offense, this is a team that can do some damage. Maybe not in the playoffs, because I think there's some better teams than them, but in a weak division like the AL Central, this is a team to watch for. And although they don't spend money, they could make another trade here, improve the offense a little bit, improve the bullpen a little bit, but Rosario is a solid player. Jimenez, who they also got in that Lindor trade from the Mets, having a great year. Ramirez, MVP caliber. At some point, they'll get back Fred Mill Reyes. Maybe he can produce. Uh, Quan's had a nice year at times. Um, they, they have some offense, but that pitching is going to keep them afloat. And although I think the White Sox are playing better and will at some point contend for this division, let's not discount how good this Cleveland team has been. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I think the the real uh, manager of the year here is Terry Francona navigating through this. Everybody talked about the White Sox. Everybody talked about the Twins. You know, the Royals and Tigers weren't quite there yet, and the Indians were somewhere in the middle of this pack. But, you know, when you take six straight series and coming out to Los Angeles and beating those Dodgers uh, two out of three, they got hammered Saturday. Quantrill took the loss in that one, but Still, this is a Cleveland team that's been kept on par due to Terry Francona's navigating through rough waters and everything. That's that's what you really got to look at here. Oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, we know Francona is a hell of a manager. I mean, right now, I don't think anyone is going to win that award except for Aaron Boone. But there's a lot of time left this season. Right. But I, I think the, the, the thing is, you know, signing Miles Straw to a long-term contract, you know, you know, looking at the kids and, and saying, you know what, let's go Ramirez and stuff. Is is Cleveland on that same par as Houston, the Yankees, and Toronto right now? No. You know, pitching's ninety percent of the game. Who knows? You know, they could. You know, nobody saw the Dodgers uh, coming to beat the Mets in in in, in A's that one year. Uh, you know, in '88. So you know, this is this is a team there that you got to watch out. But Cleveland's doing good now. You're right. Minnesota's not going to do anything. They're going to free fall here after the All-Star break. Yeah, even before. I mean, before we got on, we were talking about Guardians being one game back. I mean, by the end of the month, easily the Twins could be in second or third place. But certainly by the end of July, I see them in third place. And I think they're a nice team. They're a good story. I think they're they, they can be good moving forward. But I don't think they have what it takes this year. And with Cleveland, yes, I think they're good but I still don't think they stack up to Houston, Toronto, or the Yankees, and maybe not even the Red Sox for that matter. But only time will tell with that, right? Yeah, th- those those other teams got bats. They got a little bit more pitching, too. And, you know, the, the Indians, you know, if you can neutralize those bats, good pitching, 
Houston Yankees, even the Rays, great staffs across the board, Toronto, you start neutralizing those bats, you know, now you're going to rely on the pitching and then the the other side of it, those teams got some bats. So how many times can you go through the lineup and, you know, fool those boys? That's true. I mean, good pitching from Cleveland looks great against certain teams. How good is it for some of the elite teams? Speaking of elite teams and speaking of Cleveland beating the Dodgers, how about the Dodgers? Uh, The back end of their bullpen, specifically Kimbrell, is crumbling a little bit here. But the bigger news, Mookie Betts going down with a cracked rib. I mean, that's an injury that can take a guy out for a long time. And just as you think things are getting better and he's coming back, a setback is very easy too. And even if he comes back, might not be the same Mookie Betts because he might be battling that injury kind of throughout the year. This could be a killer for the Dodgers. I know they have a lot of talent. I know they still have a good lineup, but the Giants and Padres still right there with them, specifically the Padres. And uh, the Dodgers might have to go out there and make a move if Mookie's going to end up missing eight plus weeks potentially. Well, they always seem to do that, but here's the problem with the Dodgers is that that pitching. And, you know, Julio Urias had a good uh, game the other day. He looked like the Julio Urias we saw last year. But, you know, Bueller's out till probably September. Kershaw, we don't know what we're going to get. You know, he can have one good game, one bad game. He can go on the shelf again. The guys that that have been holding the fourth down has been guys that, you know, that are all-star candidates here in Gosselin and Anderson, but let, let's face it, we haven't got into July and August yet. We haven't gone around some of these teams a couple times. Maybe they can start to figure out these guys. And if they start to figure out these guys, it's going to be other Dodgers that are going to come up to the forefront. Dodgers probably have to make a move. Kimbrell's been a disaster this year. Uh, they got rid of Jansen. Jansen's got 19 saves over there in Atlanta. But Kimbrell just he can't get any consistency. And part of the problem is the Dodgers – had earlier in the season were blowing out opponents where he couldn't get in games. You know, you can't let a guy sit for a week, six, seven days here and, 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 you know, uh, think he's going to be sharp as far as the bats go. Yeah. But bets is a, is a loss there. And you don't have the guys that you spell last year, you know, the Pollocks, you don't have the guys a couple years ago, the Keke Hernandez is here. I can step in now. Now you got guys that were on the bench that are starters. And now you're asking Freeman, and Trey Turner the whole of the fort. Muncie hasn't been hidden. Bellinger, you know, we're going to find out what they're going to do with Bellinger here in another year or so. This guy's gone south ever since he's won his MVP. And as far as the Padres and Giants are concerned, Padres were rolling until they hit Colorado. The Giants, boy, they got shocked in Pittsburgh yesterday. But these three teams look like they'll battle it out all year. But my bet's on the Padres and Dodgers if the Giants fold in their 10. Yeah, I think the Giants are a good team. I don't think they're as good as the Padres and the Dodgers are. Definitely a tough series for the Padres in Coors Field, but that can happen to anyone. Coors is a different animal. Uh, You just never know what's going to happen. Big thing for San Diego, though, we obviously are waiting for the return of Tatis Jr. And Cronenworth has been hot. Luke Voigt's finally settling in. He's been hot. So the offense finally starting to click, and then Manny Machado leaves a game with an ankle sprain. Now, it could be not too serious. The x-rays did come back negative, so that's good. But this is another type of thing where even if he's healthy to play, potentially something that nags can affect him at the plate. Padres right now can't afford to lose the production that Manny Machado has given them because he has just been 
absolutely fantastic for them. An MVP candidate, sure, Paul Goldschmidt might be leading the charge there in the National League, but Machado's right there. He's been so good this season. Well, not only that, you you set back with Fernando Tontis Jr. You know, you get him back, and, uh, you know, maybe you'll start rolling past the All-Star break. But the Padres, the problem is, is not so much the pitching. We're trying to get Blake Snell on track there. The Blake Snell that we saw in Tampa hasn't resurfaced in San Diego. But you know what? That bullpen is just lights out, man. They got guys. They got pitching. So it's going to be something to see. But if their main starters go down as far as hitting-wise, that could be a big problem for San Diego. And they and them, just like the Dodgers, are types of teams that will make moves. I mean, we could see both these teams kind of fighting for the same player. Similar to last year, remember, we thought the Padres acquired Max Scherzer, and then suddenly the Dodgers come in and acquire Max Scherzer. They are the two teams in the National League, aside from maybe the Braves, who have money to spend, really good prospects to move, and could make big-time moves to kind of propel themselves um, into the postseason. No doubt about it. I couldn't have said it much better than what you did. You took the words out of my mouth. Oh, appreciate the kind words there, brother. And uh, I know you think this is new, so I'll talk about it for you. The Yankees lost a game. I can't believe it, right? Um, (laughs) Blowing a lead against the Toronto Blue Jays in the final game of the three-game set. The Yankees took the first two in pretty um, commanding fashion, but uh, Yankees have a big lead yesterday. Lourdes Gurriel hits a grand slam. Teoscar Hernandez hits a three-run jack. Uh, Rizzo pinch hits, makes it 10-9, has a chance to get the Yankees to lead in the ninth, but Romano shuts the door. Big win for the Blue Jays for sure. I mean, they did not want to get swept at home in Toronto, but let's not uh, let, let's not worry about this Yankees team at this point. Um, they have to lose like 8 of 10 before I think anyone would start to worry about them. Well, not only that, the people that were really rolled Aaron Boone out of town now are on that float and speaking very highly of him. I've always liked Aaron Boone. I was a, I, I've never been a big Boone fan, and I'm still not necessarily a Boone fan. I'll give him credit for the team being great, uh, but you know you can look to that '98 team, and I'm a huge Joe Torre guy. I love Joe Torre, but I mean, uh, my dog could have managed the '98. Yankees to 114 wins. I think a lot of people could be managing this Yankees team right now uh, the way that they've just been playing overall. But I'll give Boone the credit for having great camaraderie in the clubhouse, bringing the team together. He's great with the media, um, and he might be great inside the clubhouse. But as a field manager, I'm still not a fan. Well, here's the the thing here, and and the the Yankees got to guard against this because, you know, they're in double digits with this lead in the American League East. Uh, the other teams are pretty much, you know, going to be playing for wild cards, you know, because I don't think anybody's going to catch the Yankees in that. No, I mean, all those teams could play 600 baseball, 625 baseball down the stretch, all three, Boston, Tampa, and Toronto, and they would really need the Yankees to just, even if the Yankees play 500 baseball over the next two months, they're still going to have probably a, what, four, five, six-game yep. lead? Well, not only that, but here's what the Yankees got to guard against. We saw in 2019, I believe it was, when Washington was, you know, buried there. And in then in, in, in they made a nice little run in August and September. And the Dodgers had, were blowing out the National League West. I think they won the division by 20-something games. And what you got to guard against is you got to, you know, you, you know, playing the game. You think you got the division. You think you could just turn it on in the playoffs. 
And then there's these teams that come in the playoffs that are rolling, that are playing playoff baseball when you've taken your foot off the gas and they, they jump on you when the playoffs start. So that's what the Yankees got to guard against. We've seen that happen too many times in too many sports where a team waltzes through a division, buries the division, everybody's ready to give them the crown. And then here comes teams that have been playing playoff baseball or whatever, you know, a month uh, before the regular season ends and they're coming hot and they take you out and you go, what happened? That's, that's a great point. That can certainly happen. I think right now uh, that's not a concern, but we'll see if they maintain, you know, eight, 10, 12 game lead um, into August and into September, because that is a very good division. Again, it's one bad, really bad stretch. The Yankees I'm not sure it's going to happen anytime soon the way they're playing, but they lose 8 of 10, and a team like Toronto, Boston, or Tampa win a 8 of 10. That's a big swing. That's six games right there. Well, you're so. seeing what's happening with the Mets. The Mets have no pitching now, and they're trying to hold off Atlanta and Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it anything can happen, but yeah, um, let's not panic about one loss by the Yankees, right. especially to a team like the Blue Jays, who, in my opinion, are probably the second best team in the American League. No, I totally agree. They got, they got, they got the young guns and, you know, Montoya's kept them up there, but you know, in the rearview mirror, adjust it because the Houston Astros aren't too far behind. No, Houston's good. And Boston's been excellent since their slow start. Um, yep. they're, they're a team that should not be taken lightly, especially with Sale potentially coming back. They're getting great stuff from Pavetta and Waka and Evaldi, I believe, is coming back soon, too. Let's move things over to some prospects getting the call. Uh, both guys have been in the big leagues before. Josh Lowe with the Rays this year, O'Neill Cruz briefly last year, but the Pirates finally calling him up. Love to see it. Hate that they've kept him down for so long. I know the Pirates clearly aren't going anywhere this season, but this is a big-time prospect for them. Whether he'll stick at shortstop, probably not with that 6'7 body, but he could be a difference maker for this team. You add him in with Reynolds and key Brian Hayes, and you might finally have something there in Pittsburgh. Number three prospect, and you know, when you look at these guys, look at Mitch Keller. I mean, number one pick, and the, the Pirates, a little frustrated last year with him. This year, moved him to the bullpen. You know, faced a little adversity, came back, strong starts, brought him in. Look what he did yesterday, six strong innings against the Giants. You know, these young bucks coming up through the system now, you got to get your feet wet. You got to get your lumps. You got to get your bruises. And, you know, a lot of people don't think they're going to do something. They're 12 and nine against the National League West. But you know what? They haven't played the Phillies yet, a team that they'll probably be battling for, you know, a wild card. They're one and two against the Giants right now. They owned the Giants last year. They still got three more with the Giants in San Francisco. So I'm not going to count the Pirates out for not getting that sixth spot. Yeah, you know, they're, they're getting... Yeah, but Mark, Mark, Cardinals. you wouldn't count the Pirates out if they had 15 wins right now either. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to stick up for the city of Pittsburgh. I have to. Yeah. But, but let, let's let's look at it realistically, Lou. You know, the, the, the Cubs and Reds, they're, they're not going to go anywhere. But the Pirates... It, they're, you know, they bet like eight when they when they were going through this losing streak where they lost nine in a row. Seven of the nine losses were two runs or less. So a hit there, a pitch here, you know, you could turn the tide on that. They're not getting if they were getting blown out in that nine game losing streak. I would have said, you know what, you're right. You know, they, they, there's no shot. But if you're losing seven of those nine games by two runs or less. 
don't you think, you know, that thing could change uh, a, a little down the line? I mean, not really, but like, I'll, I'll agree to disagree with you there. Um, I mean, the, the Pirates aren't a terrible team, but they're far from being a playoff caliber team. Well, they're, 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 look at the underachievers this year. When you look at the White Sox, they're a young squad mixed in with veteran leadership. They've underachieved. Tony LaRusse is just, he doesn't know which way's up there. I mean, that team is completely a disaster. They uh, definitely have been, Mark, but again, it's still the middle of June ish, and suddenly they're only two games under, five games out. This is a team that, at some point could get very hot. They are the most skilled team in that division. Uh, so I, 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 it's a very different situation well, between the White and Sox and that, the Pirates. Right, but the Pirates basically bringing up young talent. And, and their big thing is, if you, if you look at their, you know, the, the, the few months they've been playing here in the 2022 season, injuries have been a big part of Pittsburgh's uh, demise here. That's that's why when you look at it, injuries have stuck out here. They've lost some key key starters. They've lost some, you know, uh, pitching, you know, being set back a little. They they you know a lot of these teams can dodge it. Maybe you know somebody like the Dodgers now is is starting to feel it here in late June, where Mookie Betts is out. Sure, sure, sure. We'll we'll have we'll have to to see with the uh, over to Tampa Bay Rays. They are a good team. They have good pitching. But the offense, now, they are without Wander Franco and Brandon Lau, two of their best hitters, probably their two best hitters outside of maybe a Rosarena. But uh, still, everyone has injuries against a small market team. Like Tampa, though, can suffer at times um, more when they have those key injuries. Either way, both those guys could be back shortly, but they have brought in some reinforcements. They're recalling outfielder Josh Lowe, who's one of their top offensive prospects. He started the season with the team really struggled in the strikeout department, went down to the minors, continued to struggle in strikeouts, finally started to cut that down, up the walk rate, hit for power. He's a five-tool caliber talent, and with their offense struggling right now, a big series coming up against the Yankees here after getting swept by the Yankees and the Orioles shutting them down even, uh, Tampa needs something from Josh Lowe. They need something in that offense. So he's getting called back up maybe to give them a jolt because they're barely hanging on to uh, third place in the American League East. I mean, talk about being, uh, what what are they right now? I think 13 games out. Um, Jay is 11 games out. Boston's only half a game behind Tampa all of a sudden. And before they know it, they could be in fourth place. So uh, they need they need something to go right for them. Right. Great, great prospect. I like the kid out of San Diego, Mackenzie Gore. There's another one, you know, Jack Sawinski in Pittsburgh, three home runs, you know, uh, first time in uh, Major League Baseball history. The third one was a walk-off. I mean, this this kid, I'm, I'm going to call it now, and I've called it on the Pirate Podcast. This kid is going to be the rookie of the year. I mean, this this guy is doing something. I mean, what what he's doing is remarkable there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's definitely been special, although there's some competition out there in Atlanta with Michael Harris, another great young yeah, prospect. Yep, that's another good one, too. And you're yeah. right. And that's that's going to be the key with these things and just see if these guys can be consistent and sustain it. Yeah, absolutely. But with Josh Lowe, do you think – that's enough for the race to kind of get things going again offensively. Do you worry about the fact that he could fall back into that high strikeout rate 
that he had because it's a lot different facing that minor league pitching than it is the big league pitching. He was exposed in his first taste of big league action, but we know that can happen to a lot of young players, and sometimes they need to go up, down, up, down, up, down again until they really hit their stride. I mean, look at Kalenic in Seattle. That was a can't-miss prospect. And he's just really struggled in the big league level. It's almost hurt his confidence when he goes back down to the minors. Then you have Julio Rodriguez, who's come up and hit the ground running. Bobby Witt Jr. struggled at first, but he's been yeah. good. Um, you know, you got the Sotos and Acunas and Harpers and Trouts who came up and Pena's. pretty much hit the ground running. Yeah, is another one. You yeah. Know, and that's, that's, that's the thing. You're right. You got to go up and down. Uh, the pitching is definitely uh, different. Uh, hitting triple A compared to the major league level. Those guys been around and they'll turn you around like a saucer, man. Well, if you're in the minors, unless you're a really young kid, it's likely because you're a two pitch pitcher, right? You have a fastball right. and you have something else. And you get to the big leagues, unless again, you're a really young kid that just has dominant stuff like a Hunter Green, let's say in Cincinnati. Um, you usually have a fastball and another really good secondary pitch. And then, pitches a third and fourth pitch that you can at least use to get major league hitters out uh that's the biggest difference there is i'm sure josh Lowe could hit a fastball um maybe even hit a secondary pitch but multiple times against pitchers uh you know they start incorporating a cutter in on the hands uh better change up than he's seen in the minor leagues uh better command of their breaking stuff and suddenly swings and misses over and over and over again and Sure, you can survive in the big leagues hitting 230 if you can hit 25 or 30 bombs, even if you strike out 200 times. But he's got to make good contact to hit those bombs. No doubt about it, man. Unbelievable. The way you broke that down, I couldn't have it down any better than what you broke it down. And exactly. Well, I'm stealing your thunder a lot today, huh? Yeah, well, you, you got it, man. You bringing it, man. <laughs> Any final thoughts here, man? Man, every week we keep bringing it, man, with these things. And and, 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 and almost, I mean, if you don't, I I got one more topic to really break down before we close this thing. Yeah, let's do it. Why are the the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland A's, why are we talking about ballparks? I thought we got rid of this years back when the Pirates were entertaining offers to go to Colorado before the Rockies got there. The Giants were rumored to go to Tampa. The Expos left uh, Montreal for Washington. Why are we still talking about ballparks here in Tampa and Oakland? I think these owners just want to go to greener pastures, don't you say? I do, but at the same time, that place in Tampa, that Tropicana Field is just disgustingly bad of a stadium. And Oakland's a bad stadium, but also Oakland's just a terrible team right now. I mean, they're lucky if they get 8,000 fans a night right now. Um, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world for either of those teams to move. Yeah, but a lot of tradition in Oakland going back to the 70s with Rudy, Jackson, Hunter. How do you take that much tradition out of there? I know Tampa doesn't. They took it out of they took it out of Oakland with regards to the Raiders, who had just yeah. as much history. So it, it's doable. I mean, the easy move would be. Oakland to Las Vegas or something, if they can get a, a good MLB stadium there. Tampa, on the other hand, is a little different. Well, and not only that, if you're if you got this team in that city and you're not making money, supposedly, which I think, you know, you'd sell it to a local investor to keep it with all that tradition, all that decades of baseball there, to stand there and say you're losing money, open up your books and show me you're losing money the carpet back to another city where there's greener pastures where they'll give you everything, probably tax breaks and etc. 
That that is true. And you look you look around. I mean, I'm I would be okay with expansion in Major League Baseball. By the way, but I don't really want to see teams leave. I would love to see expansion actually, and then have them go to four divisions of eight apiece. Um, I think it would be help the balance schedule out more. Um, and I think it would fit the current playoff structure better, too, with two teams getting buys now. Uh, you could just give it to the two division winners, whereas right now there's going to be a team that wins a division that doesn't get that buy. So um, I think 32 teams total, eight teams per division, um, again, is good for scheduling, and it's good for the playoff format, and uh, I would like to see it. I'm not sure who the expansion teams would be. I've heard a lot about Nashville, for sure. Charlotte. Charlotte as well. Uh, yeah, our friend uh, Rick Curdy, who I do the 108 Stitches Baseball podcast with, um, is a big advocate for baseball, Major League Baseball headed to Charlotte. But those are definitely two teams. Vegas, although Vegas seems like more of a potential for the A's to go to as opposed to an expansion team. Uh, but it could be interesting for sure. Oh, definitely. Man, what a show. What a show. And we doing a great job keeping it under that 30 minutes or so as well uh so people don't get too bored um i personally don't have the that the uh attention span for much more than 30 minutes at a time for a podcast so uh i don't know about you no i definitely agree with it we did we keep it right there all the time man all right well that'll definitely wrap up this episode of intentional balk another great episode lou landers mark mancini thanks for tuning in have a great week and i'll be back we'll catch you next time